Good to you, church. What a day in worship. If I'm not careful, I thought today was Easter. Man, the way y'all were singing today, powerful, powerful, powerful presence of God in this place. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do this coming weekend. I don't know if you pick up on these kind of things, but even the title of our Easter series this year is an invitation. You know, when you really think about it, you know, as Pastor Jerry said, this next weekend is Easter, but what's the title of our series? Next weekend, are you going to be here with us? I mean, think about that in itself. Are you going to bring someone else to be here with us? And as we have a chance to rally around the Savior, Jesus, I I can't wait to see what God's going to do in the life of each person, each family that comes. Whether they're believer or not, God is going to speak this next weekend. And I pray that we're ready to receive the very things that God wants to say to us. Amen? You know, I thought about this day of starting off. I realized today some of you are here at Garrisonville campus, and we just want to say welcome to you here during this service. Some of you are over at our courthouse campus at Colonial Forge. Pastor Andrew, I know yesterday y'all hit the neighborhoods really passing out uh, door hangers on the doors, inviting people to Colonial Forge High School next weekend. I can't wait to see what God's going to do through that invitation. But maybe some of you are watching online. We've got a brand new internet campus that's very interactive, and I know we went on Facebook Live, and so people are watching that way. Who knows where you are at and how you're watching, but we just want to say welcome today to this place because God has a word for us. I know spring break always follows Easter here in Stafford County. Some of you are going to be on a travel next week. You're not going to be here, and we just challenge you to worship wherever you're at. Don't miss Easter next weekend to worship as a family. And the reason we jump on Saturday, maybe we can worship with you before you leave town for spring break. Don't miss a moment to join us and to bring somebody with you next weekend here at the Mount. Matter of fact, Todd, are you still here? Todd, yeah, Todd's going to come up. He's one of our elders. I thought we ought to pray. There's a lot of invitations going out this week. We want to pray that God is going to be in the invitation and that God is going to use this next few days to get us ready for the weekend, that God's going to bless the believer, that God's going to even reach the unbeliever next weekend. And I just feel like we need to trust God together today in this service. Can we do that? Bow your heads and your hearts. Todd, lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you for getting us here on Palm Sunday, Father. We thank you for Holy Week, and, and Father, and, and what, a, what a special week to get to walk through, Father. I pray that you speak to us closely and dearly. Father, thank you for this Lent season that you've been preaching here with us, and Father, we invite you here with us. Father, I, I pray for our people. I pray that they get to encounter your presence and your peace and your power this week. Father, I pray that they would invite their friends, their families, their neighbors, but Father, we, we, we need you here. Jesus, thank you that your name is powerful, that your name is beautiful. Thank you that when you died, you didn't stay in in, in the grave. Three days later, you rose from the grave. Father, that is the message that we want to tell this Easter, Father. We love you, Jesus. We pray for your blessing. Father, we pray over our pastor. We pray for the words that he's going to share next week, Father. We pray for this week. As he walks through Holy Week, Father, you do something special and supernatural in his life. We, We love you, Jesus, and we trust you. Thank you for Easter. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Todd. Listen, if you have a Bible, we have been walking through verse by verse by verse this Old Testament passage found in the book of Psalms. Psalm 23 is the the chapter that we've been focusing our hearts on during this season of preparing. That's what Lenten means. It means preparation for, for what's to come, Easter. 
And as we've been preparing our hearts using this one chapter, this is an interesting chapter to focus on because it's known as the funeral psalm. It's known as the psalm that gets read at funerals. And to me, as we have been walking through these verses, oh man, it's been powerful to hear God speak at the very hour that I'm walking through these cha- this chapter. And it, it's right on time. God's word has been right on time. I hope it's been for you too. And today, as we claim these words together, uh, whether you're in this room at courthouse or somewhere online, freak the people out of Starbucks if you're watching there. Say these words out loud with us together as we repeat these six verses as our prayer today. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on. Do you believe that word? Thank you, brother. Do you believe that word today? It's true. It's true. And so there's a reason we've been reading it and studying it and memorizing it, because I want this word to infect our soul. As we ask God, God, am I ready for Easter? I want God to examine my heart and my soul. Well, as we've been looking at this, uh, as I've been sharing with you, this, this poem was written by a guy named David. And as he writes this theme of him connecting with God, he says, God, you're my shepherd and I'm nothing more than a sheep. And that's interesting language, sheep and shepherd language. But he's writing about something that's very familiar to him and his life because in his early days he was a shepherd. He's writing about something that's very familiar with the ancient world that he lived in because they were kind of nomadic people. And so sheep and shepherd connects in a real gut-wrenching way for him in his journey. But here we are a couple thousand years later reading his diary, his prayer journal, and sometimes the sheep and shepherd metaphor doesn't always connect with us. Can we at least agree? Now, I love that God's been awakening us and opening each verse, and we're seeing that it really has a lot to say to our lives. But what I realized a few years ago, I was reading a book, you got to like the title of the book, it's called Leading on Empty. And they took that Psalm 23, and they put it into contemporary language that I think you and I living in Northern Virginia, this version might speak louder than the one we've been studying, and I want you to see why. Because it talks about living fast and hurried and living under deadlines. Anybody agree to that? So here we go. Let's revisit Psalm 23. Here we go. The the clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. Come on, some of y'all already are getting a sermon right there, right? It makes me lie down only when I'm exhausted. It leads me into deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Come on, wasn't that your yesterday? And then even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done for my ideal is with me. Ouch. That one hurts right there. 
They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. And they anoint my head with migraines and my inbox overflows. Come on, preach preacher. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Come on, how many of y'all that speaks loud to you? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? That oftentimes it's the pace that we live at that robs us of the joy, or better yet, the relationship that God desires to have with us. Listen, I don't know where you pick up in this series. If you've been here all six weeks, or this is your first time with us here today, I believe God's word is speaking. The question is, are we listening? And maybe greater, are we listening and are we obeying what God is calling us to look at this Easter? I'll confess, I've been convicted this whole series. I feel like I'm reading words I've never read before because God's taken it to a deeper place for me. And maybe that's that's your experience today. If you were with us last week, we looked at verse 5 last week, and we talked about how God invites us to enjoy Him, to enjoy His comfort and to enjoy His blessing. And you know what I realize? There's a lot of Christians that aren't enjoying God right now. And you wonder why. You know why I think some of us live so busy? Because we're afraid if things get quiet. Hello. We're afraid to get alone with our own thoughts and have to reflect on our own lives. And so we just rather be the pace to be so frantic that we never have to get honest about where we are. And today we're looking at a place where David is reflecting on his life. So today we're going to look at verse 6. Let's just see what verse 6 might have to say to you and to me if we're willing to listen. It says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, God is speaking. Are you listening? Are you listening? When I look at this verse, the first word, surely, I kind of think, surely, there's a lot of things I think surely about my life that I hope for. I look at my life and say, surely I should be better in my life by now. Surely I should have more money in my bank account than I currently do. Surely my kids ought to be behaving at a better rate than they're behaving right now. Anybody with me? Surely, surely things should be going better for me at work. Surely. You know, oftentimes it's the things that we hope for that aren't happening that we feel burdened by. But that's not what David says here. David says, surely your goodness and love. He's talking to somebody here. Who is he talking to? Come on. He's talking to God. He says, God, your goodness, your love will follow me all the days of my life here. Right? This idea of my life here and then my life after, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, not just here on earth, but what? forever. Come on, this is good today. Who did God bring here today? Because you need to hear this last verse in this chapter. I just wonder what God's going to say if we're willing to listen, if we have enough courage to listen. David's reflecting on his life. And when I think about the last verse in a beautiful psalm like that, you want that to have an anchor. You want that to have a last thought or a last sentence that's going to mean something more, that's going to put the whole psalm into perspective. And David does that here. He's reflecting 
on his life. He's reflecting upon who he is. I wonder today, this Easter, if you're willing to reflect on your life. I wonder today, if you look at your life, you have enough courage to look at your life today and ask the question, what will I be remembered for? That's heavy, isn't it? You begin to look at your own life and say, what will people say about me? Or better yet, what will God say about me? You see, maybe there's a reason we want to stay busy, 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 because we don't want to slow down for that haunting question to ring loud and clear. Do you know in prison, they say the, the, the scariest place in prison, it's when you're in solitary confinement, when you're left alone with nothing but darkness and your own thoughts. Isn't that interesting? And maybe the reason we live, the pace that we live at is we don't want to get quiet enough to have to listen to maybe something that God wants to point out and correct and heal within our soul. But David says, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm in a hard place and God, I gotta look at my life today. I gotta reflect where I'm at today. And today in this Psalm, God's gonna share some things with him that God may wanna say to you and to me. You see, when David looks at his life, he sees a shepherd a shepherd that's filled with goodness and love. And in his, in his psalm, think about where all the shepherd led. Remember that? He led the green pastures. Where else did he lead? He led to quiet waters, right? He refreshes our soul. And then where did he lead? He led what? Through the valley, in the valley where the hazards are, in the valley where the trouble is, in the valley where the darkness is, right? The valley of the shadow of death. He led there. And then he led us to this table area on a hilly side, this flat area where we can find our rest. And then now where is he leading? He's going to eventually lead us all the way to come back home. Interesting. Where we can find our ultimate rest, our ultimate safety in him. The very word house there, it refers to kind of like a family household or a dwelling, but it also refers to the relationships that make up that house. It could be the flock of the sheep coming together as one. And so we've been looking at this idea of shepherd and sheep. Even though it's not our genre, even though it's not our, our picture, I think it's fascinating to discover this. And so every week I've been talking about the nature of sheep because David's saying, God, you're the shepherd and I'm the sheep. And every time we do this, we see ourselves identifying with sheep. And so today, let me give you another picture of, of sheep. The first one is this, sheep need a leader. Without leadership, without the shepherd, sheep are destructive. Now, if you've ever been around a sheep farm and you see sheep left unattended, they will ruin a territory. They'll pollute it with their own feces because they over pollute it, and then they'll eat everything up. It'll become a barren wasteland. They'll create ruts and divots and valleys and all these different things that will happen. If you leave sheep unattended, they will not get out of the way of themselves, and they'll ruin a territory. They're a dirty livestock if you leave them unattended without leadership. You see, sheep need a shepherd. Come on, we know this. So flip it around. With leadership, this same dirty livestock can actually become a blessing to the very territory that you're raising them on. Isn't that interesting? Because the shepherd knows they've been here long enough, it's time to move them along to a new area. A shepherd knows how to lead. Now here's the fascinating thing, that, that without leadership, that's the difference maker. With leadership, it can change things. Because the shepherd, the shepherd knows something about the sheep. 
that stuff that comes out of a sheep, manure, actually is not bad when it's in limited form because it can actually be some of the greatest fertilizer you could use on land. The problem is, if they don't move, it becomes so abundant that it ends up polluting the land. But you need that manure. Now, come on, that'll preach for you that the messes in your life, the messes in my life, God could actually use. Isn't that interesting? But he doesn't want us to sit in it forever. He wants to lead us out of it, right? When you bring sheep into a new territory, sheep will eat up anything and everything. You know what a sheep can do? They can actually come into a bad area that's got a lot of bad things growing in it, and because they literally can devour all this stuff, they'll devour all the bad weeds, the unwanted stuff, and they'll eat that up, and it can actually reproduce the land in a better effective way. As long as you don't leave them to continue to eat there, you got to move them again and again and again. Listen, if you use sheep the right way, Sheep actually can be a blessing to the terrain that you're herding them on. Isn't that interesting? Do you know that you and I are sheep? You and I, there's no difference. If we've got the good shepherd in our life leading us, guess what? We can actually be a blessing to people around us. But when we take our eyes off the shepherd, we begin to do life in our own way, guess what? Just like sheep, we can create havoc and destruction to anyone and everyone in our lives. Come on, some of y'all, I don't need to go much further than the sermon. This is already where you're at. But we need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. Come on, isn't that Easter? Isn't that neat how God's talking to us right now about this, this same subject right now? And here we are anchored in this last verse here, and we're seeing how the shepherd can lead. Now, here's what I've loved about the parallel of this. We've been reading David's words in the Old Testament, and then we go to the New Testament, and then we read John's words, who actually records Jesus talking, Jesus, the Son of God, talking. John chapter 10, verse 3 says, Jesus once said that the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his, what? His voice. Now, this is a a real phenomenon. Do y'all know that we have a a farm here in Stafford County that has sheep? Maybe y'all have been on that road and you've seen it. Gwen and her creative team shot footage that we're going to show next week because we're about shepherds and sheep right now. And they were out there and they were showing the sheep. They saw something happen. This was interesting. When the owners of the sheep spoke to the sheep, the sheep responded. Gwen thought that was so fascinating. She started to give the same commands that the owner was given and the sheep didn't do anything but go, bah, ah. And she said, you know, well, Gwen, she's not going to respond to you. They're not going to respond to you. Why? They don't know your voice. It's interesting. That's how God made sheep. And so Jesus says this in this passage, that the sheep listen to his voice. He calls them his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And watch this. When he, the shepherd, brought out all that his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they, they know his voice. Isn't it interesting? So here you got this idea of the shepherd leading sheep. The shepherd leads the sheep with his voice. And then Jesus gives the picture of the shepherd going out in front and leading by example and saying, follow me, right? Yet when David writes his psalm, he shows that the shepherd sometimes leads from the front, and the shepherd always uses his voice, but sometimes the shepherd has to be behind the sheep, and sometimes the shepherd has to what? Use his, his crook to prod, to poke and to prod, and to move his sheep, to herd his sheep forward. And in David's psalm, where is the shepherd? 
He says he looks back, right? He says, goodness and love is following me. Is that not cool? See, the shepherd leads with his voice. Sometimes he's in front, sometimes he's in back, but he's all about leading us forward. That's what we're going to look at today in the few minutes that we have. You might want to take some notes here. This might be helpful for you. But this idea of evaluating our life, I believe, takes courage. I believe there's somebody here this morning that's not a follower of Jesus. Praise God. It's not Easter yet, but you're here today. I want you to hear the voice that God's speaking to you today. But somebody here today has been a Christian for a while, and, and maybe for you, somewhere along the way, you begin to wander Today, it's about evaluating where we're at spiritually with him, and there's a few directions I want us to look to see the love of God in our lives today. The first look I want you to write down is this. We got to look back. We got to look back. We got to look back. Matter of fact, tell your neighbor that. We got to look back. We got to look back. Now, in verse 6, he says he looks back, and he begins to see all along what's the support behind him. Surely, goodness and love, or surely goodness and mercy, if you're a KJV kind of person, right, is following me all the days of my life. So when he looks back, he actually sees God with him. This is rich when you begin to think about God being with him. I wonder if you today can testify that you've experienced God's goodness or that you've experienced God's love. That's what God wants for us. But sometimes we find ourselves in a hard place. We find ourselves in a hard valley. We find ourselves in a dark time in our life. Look at what Mother Teresa once said. Y'all know Mother Teresa? She lived in India, and she lived in a hard place in the world, loving the poorest of poor. She once said this. She said, I know God will not give me anything more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. Is that not good? You ever felt like that? It's like, God, I can't handle anything else. And then one more thing falls in your life, and you're like, oh, okay, God, I know you're going to see me through this, but this is hard. God says, I trust you, right? Don't trust me that much, God. Don't, don't. But sometimes we got to look back to see God in that moment with us. Maybe right now you are going through a tough season. I've been honest the last several weeks that I'm struggling right now in a valley called grief. And it's messy. I don't know how long I'm going to be walking this valley, but it's messy. Maybe you can identify with that. Some of you right now are walking a valley. Maybe it's failure. Maybe you're walking a valley of disappointment. I believe today there's some men and women here today that you're walking in a valley of burnout. Come on, is that for you? You just, you feel frazzled and fried. And here's what I'm coming to understand. When you're going through a time that's dark, when you're going through a time that is just painful, what I realize is this, it's hard to be objective, isn't it? I want my feelings to show up some way, but I'm going to tell you right now, when you're in the valley, your feelings can be your worst enemy because they can deceive you. You know what I'm talking about? It's like all the normal gauges you usually look at to see where am I at, where am I at, where am I going? It's like all those gauges go broke or go silent when you're in the valley. And sometimes what we need to do is we got to look back to get our bearing again. And by looking back, we'll see that we're not alone, that God is with us. You see, during times of hurt and doubt, we need to look back to see what God has already done for us. And that's what David does here. God reminds him to look back, and he sees God's goodness and love right there for support. 
Now, I know I've shared this part of my story many times, and, and I know the way our church turns so much that I could share it every week, and, and somebody will hear it for the first time again. But one of the first valleys I remember in my life, I was 14 years old, and I remember this valley because my mom and my stepdad decided to separate, and they decided to get a divorce. Some of y'all know what the divorce feels like. I was so angry. I didn't want my stepdad leaving. I loved him. He was in my life, and I was angry that they were splitting up, and I was so angry. I hated this situation that anybody that came around me, I wanted them to feel that same hate. You ever done that? Where you, you just behave in a way to push everybody back. And I remember as I was pushing everybody back, everybody got back from me except this family that lived on my street, the Britons. They weren't intimidated by my brokenness. And you know what they kept showing me? They kept showing me goodness and love. In my dark time in my life, I didn't even know Jesus, and they were shining the light of God's love in my life in that hardest time in my life. And you know what? Because of their steadiness to me, it led me to go with them to receive this good news message of Jesus, and it led me to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. 14 years old, I have not gotten over it since. I hope I never get over it. And the reason I keep telling this story about how God's amazing grace reached me is I always wonder and pray, could this be a day where God's amazing grace is going to reach somebody else sitting here with us? And as we get closer to Easter, is God going to reach somebody else with his amazing grace? But every now and then when I'm going through a hard time again, I have to look back to be reminded of that amazing grace. Because going forward in a valley, I'm just like you. I don't always get it. You know when I get the valley? When I come up on the other side and I look back and go, oh God, I see what you did there. I see how you were with me there. Then is when my faith gets encouraged. But sometimes going forward, isn't that the hard, scariest time? And sometimes we gotta go back before we go forward. You know, as I keep thinking about this idea of valleys, I realized in my life when I look back, God is good and God is love. Come on, somebody's asleep already today, so tell your neighbor, you gotta look back. Tell them that, you gotta look back. You gotta look back. Now tell your neighbor, no, you gotta look forward too. You gotta look forward. Tell them that, you gotta look forward, right? Now you're all confused. But listen to this in looking forward. Look at what he says here in verse 6 again. Look at this. Look at this. It's, it's interesting. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That's when I'm looking back. And then he says, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's looking forward, isn't it? That's changing your perspective right there. Some of you, this is why God brought you here this morning, because you have been paralyzed and moving ahead. And today God wants to free you up. He wants to free you to move in a better direction. As David reflects on his life, he places his own life, his hope in heaven. Come on, we're a church that preaches about heaven. He declares one day, I'm gonna dwell in the house that's in heaven. Does anybody need heaven today? Does anybody long for heaven today? Does anybody want to live with the hope for heaven today? Come on, I do. I need to be reminded of heaven because sometimes I'm living the opposite here on earth. And David's trying to help see and show us 
that there's a home in heaven. And with that perspective, we can live with a different kind of confidence while we're still left here on earth. Come on, let's go New Testament again. Jesus talks about the same place called heaven. John chapter 14, Jesus is about to go back to Jerusalem. And his disciples know, because they were just recently there, if we go back, it's not going to go well. If we go back, Jesus is going to get arrested. Worse yet, he's probably going to be put to death. He's going to be killed. Jesus, we don't need to go back to Jerusalem. Jesus knows their anxiety and their fear. And what does he say here in verse 1? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Come on, listen to God's word today. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, and you will be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I am going. And old Thomas stood up and said, Lord, We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Is that not rich? Jesus says, there's a home in heaven for you. And so I'm going to say this boldly because Christians, we don't talk about this enough. In Christ, if you're a Christian here today, in Christ that you have a future home in heaven. Do you believe that today? And does that change anything about the way you live here on earth? And knowing that future is yours. It ought to change you. It ought to change me. But too many times it doesn't because we lose sight of who we are in Christ. Listen. One day we're going to live these earthly lives. One day our earthly lives are over, and we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. In Christ, we get to go to heaven. Do you want to go to heaven one day? You know, when you start thinking about language like this, Jesus says it clearly. No one comes to the Father except through me. Other religions say that's, that's exclusive that you Christians think Jesus is the only way. That's so narrow to think and believe that truth. And, and you know what? In a way, it is narrow. But here's the truth. It's not exclusive because right now, it still includes them. As long as we're alive, we got opportunity to what? To put our faith in Jesus and to be included in this amazing redemption plan. Maybe that's why God brought you here this Easter, for you to declare Jesus as your only hope, your only way to God the Father. That's what this is all about. Now listen about sheep and shepherds, John chapter 10. Jesus says it this way, I love it. Talking about the sheep and the voice. He says this in verse 27, he says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Look at this next verse. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. Come on, is that not good news there? There's a promise that when we're His, we're His. That when we're His, we're His forever. That ought to change how we live. Somebody believes this today. Praise God, right? 
So let's live like that looking forward. Let's live with this in our vantage point. Let's live with this perspective. And what could that do to you and to me? Come on, I'll show you what it can do to you and me. Paul says it this way in the New Testament. He says this, I got this perspective of life. He says this in in Philippians chapter one, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. That sounds like crazy talk, doesn't it? As long as I'm alive in this earth, I'm going to not live for myself. I'm going to live for, for Christ. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. Now, one day when my earthly life is over, that's going to be gain because I now get to go be with Christ forever in a place called heaven. Is that not good? What can you do to a person that says, I'm gonna live for Christ while I'm alive, and then one day when I die, it's gonna be gain. What world can you do to me if that's the way I live? Nothing. There's nothing in this earth that can ever rob me of the gain that's coming. And if that's true, then I can keep living and keep living and keep living, no matter how deep or how dark the valley gets. Come on, does that speak to somebody today? But see, we live in such great defeat most days and we take our eyes off of looking ahead, and we don't live as people that have victory already. Look at what Paul says in the next verse, verse 22. He says, if I'm going to go on living in this body, this will, be, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to leave this earth now and to go be with Christ now which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I now remain in the body, convinced of this, that I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress, oh, look at this, and for your joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound more and more and more because of me. Come on, church, I want to live. I want to live in a way where I believe God is God right here and now, and I want to live in a way knowing that one day I'm going to be with him in heaven. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. That's, that's a dead man walking right there. I want to live like that because then, because then I'll begin to stay closer and closer to the shepherd in my life. Tell your neighbor, sometimes you got to look forward. Some of you hate talking to your neighbor, I know that. That's why I tell you to talk to them. Because I don't want your neighbor leaving here going, nobody talks to me in that church, you know. (laughs) Judgment church, right? Sometimes you got to look back, sometimes you got to look forward. Here you go, number three, you ready, you ready? Sometimes you got to look back again. Woo-wee. You see, look back the first time and say, okay, God, what's behind me? Oh, yeah, God, your goodness and love is behind me. But sometimes you got to look back again, and this time don't look at God. Sometimes this is when you look at you. What's following me? Ooh. David's in a humble place in his life. His family's falling apart. His kingdom's falling apart. And he's looking at his life, and he's saying, what's going to follow my life? What's going to be my reputation when it's all said and done? What's going to be my legacy? What am I going to be 
known for. You see, he had enough courage to reflect on that question. Do you know that David's life ends in the Old Testament, but yet we hear other accounts of David all the way into the New Testament? And you know what the greatest phrase when people talk about David, you know what they talk about? They put it in one sentence. This is interesting. It's like David's epitaph. It's like David's headstone quote on his, on his headstone. It says this, that David was a man after God's own heart. Have you ever heard of that? That's how David is remembered. Now, was David a perfect man? Oh man, far from it. Dude had everything going right, what does he do? Has an affair on his wife, and then he covers it up with murder. And the sins, his sins follow him all the way forward, and it cost him a lot of joy he could have had in his family and in his kingdom. But what we remember David as is what? His greatest mistake? No, that he was a man after God's own heart. Come on, that ought to bring freedom to somebody today. But the question is, what are you going to be known for? What is your reputation? What's going to be your legacy? Now, when I look at that and I think about where we are here in Easter, I want us to lean in on this a little bit more because when we look back again, this is where it gets really hard because then we have to ask the question, okay, God's goodness and God's love is right here behind me, propping me up, but do people around me see God's goodness in me? Do people around me see God's kindness in me? Do people around me see God's love in me? Or do they see something different? So what about you? Kindness is an interesting word, right? Mark Twain once said this, I love it. Kindness is the language where a deaf person can hear and a blind person can see. Kindness. Is that what you're known for? Is that what I'm known for? Is that what we're known for? You know, I don't mean to get sobering here, but this right here, this anchor verse, this number six verse is kind of a challenging verse because you have to begin to look at it and ask some hard questions. And so here we go. Let's ask some hard questions. Again, I told you today's about courage. Are we willing to evaluate our lives and let God show us where we really are today? Because he may show us something that needs to change. Everybody in here, we have a neighborhood that we live in, right? Whether you live in an apartment, whether you live in a mobile home, whether you live in a townhouse, whether you live in a subdivision, whether you live in a gated subdivision, we all live somewhere, right? And so I want you to imagine with me this week, you're going you're gonna to get a U-Haul or you're going to have movers and you're going to move out of your neighborhood. When you move out of your neighborhood, let me ask you, what's left behind? <laughs> Let's get real honest here. When you move away, will your neighbors cry or will they be like, praise Jesus, right? What would be your reputation in your neighborhood right now? Ooh, that's interesting, isn't it, to think about that? The eight people around me, what would they think if I was leaving? Interesting. Come on, I got kids in this room right now, kids in grade school, kids in middle school, kids in high school. Let me ask you guys a question. Right now, you're in a certain class. Right now, you're in a certain grade. Right now, you might even be at a certain school. Let's say at the end of this year, you leave that class, you leave that grade, at least we're hoping you will. And then let's say you even leave that school because you're promoting up to the next school, right? When you finally walk out of that class, that grade, that school, my question is this, what do you leave behind? 
What is your reputation? What is your legacy when it's all said and done? Listen, in this, in this reel, all right, we're picking too hard here. What about work? We all got work. Got a place that we work, right? How are we known at work? What's, what's our reputation at work? Listen, I know you think you're going to work at that place forever. I'm telling you, you're not. Some of you, it might be sooner than you know. That job's going to end, and one day you're going to leave. When you leave, what do you leave behind when it's over? That's what David's looking at here. Some of you, you're going to need some more time. Because if you left right now, it wouldn't be good because of how you've behaved. Are you, are you tracking with me yet? And I could take this into your family, I could take this into your marriage, I could take this into your home. If we evaluate ourselves, what is it that's following behind us? And is it something that we want to be following us? I told you, this is about evaluating. This is Easter. We gotta ask God, are we ready? God, are we ready? Is there something here that we need to take some responsibility for that we haven't heard in a long time because we've never slowed down enough to let it sink in. So here we go. Here we go. When it's all over and you leave, do you leave peace or do you leave turmoil behind? When you leave one day, do you leave forgiveness or do you leave bitterness? When you leave one day, do you leave contentment or just a whole bunch of conflict? When you leave one day, do you leave joy or do you leave frustration? Do you leave love or do you leave hate? You see, this is only you and God can answer this. This is what you and God know. What follows you? Now listen to me, if you're here today and right now you're feeling the sting of conviction and maybe even the weight of some regret, then, then you are the perfect person that God's speaking to today because guess what? You're still alive. And while you're alive, you can live for Christ. And if you're living for Christ, one day you're gonna die and you can be with him in heaven. But while you're still here, there might be some business that God still needs to work in you. So I don't want to remove the conviction just yet because I'm not one that can remove the conviction. God convicts us because he loves us. But what are we going to now do with the conviction that we're feeling? Will we confess that we've been wrong? Will we turn away from what we've been doing that's wrong? And will we begin to return with God? This is why we need Jesus. This is why we need Easter. I can't do it on my own, but in Christ... I can now confess and repent and be made right in a way where now I'm not leaving destruction behind me. Now I'm actually becoming a blessing to people around me. Is that not powerful? This is what David's wanting us to see. But the question is, do we have enough courage to see it and to hear it and to obey it? I'm going to invite our worship team back at both campuses and as they come up here to lead us in this final kind of song of commitment, I, I want to go just a little bit harder where I just went. And you think, golly, Pastor, this is a heavy Sunday. This is Palm Sunday. Can you go there next week on Easter? 
But, but listen, this is where the verse led us today. Matter of fact, if you come next week, we've already hit all six verses. So you may be wondering, well, what are you going to preach next week? Well, next week, we're just going to go ahead and preach a funeral for Jesus. Because everybody reads Psalm 23 at a funeral, right? So let's try to do a funeral for Jesus. And you might be thinking, how do you do that? Didn't he resurrect from the dead? Yeah, come next week. Let's figure out how to do that. Are you intrigued yet? I hope. And next week, as we try to put Jesus maybe in the tomb, we might be surprised what God wants to deliver for us. But before we go there, let's go here again today. And so let's just kind of be real honest right now for a moment. Let's just say you've got 30 days to live and you know it. You got 30 days to live, one more month to live. If that is true for you, the things that you're stressed out about, the things you're angry about, the things that you're focusing on right now, would they be the exact same things if you knew you only had 30 days to live? Come on. No. Because you wouldn't be worried about that promotion or that title or that corner office. You wouldn't be worried about who owes you money. You wouldn't be worried about any of that stuff if you knew I only have one more month. You know what you would do? All the things that you're focused on right now, probably for most of us, if we're honest, all those things would leave our list if we knew we only had one more month to live. Isn't that interesting? And the things that we say are most important, if we knew we only had 30 more days with this family, guess what would happen? All those things would become what? Most important. So how come we don't live like that, thinking I guess got one more month to live, and begin to put the priorities in the right place? Isn't that interesting? Because Paul says, that's how I'm living. I'm going to live, I'm going to live with heaven in front of me. That's what David said he's living. He says, well, how am I going to look back, I'm going to look ahead, I'm going to look back again, and I'm going to keep living. For me to live is Christ, and to die is what? game. Listen, if you had 30 days to live, how would you spend your minutes and your moments? Now, if that wasn't morbid enough for all of our brand new guests today going, man, I don't know if I ever want to come back to this church again. This is kind of depressing. Let's go ahead and think about your life being over. Let's put you in the ground and let's put the headstone out there. What's going to be written on your headstone? What would be your final sentence, like David had a final sentence? What would be your epitaph? What would be the phrase on your headstone? And so I thought some questions that you might have just to help you kind of lean there. You might even want to take a picture of this, put this in your journal, because this might be good questions to evaluate your heart from time to time. But think about this today. The most important thing to me was, how would people fill that in for you if they looked at your life? how you spent your minutes and moments, what would they see as what was most important to you? People would say, you stood for what? What did you stand for? I made a difference in the world by doing what? People knew I loved them because God was glorified because I, and the reason I hope God says, well done, my faithful servant, is because of, listen, if you're having a hard time filling in some of this, then maybe that's why God's leading us this Easter. He's trying to show us 
that we need a little bit more time with what? His goodness and His love. And we got to just get a little bit closer to the shepherd, because the closer we live to the shepherd, the more likely goodness and love will be seen in us. Is this speaking to anybody today? Listen, don't live with regret today. If God's convicting you, now it's time to take a risk. Now it's time to take a risk to say, I got to start living different. I can't live like I've been living because I'm not pointing people to to Jesus. I didn't share this in the first service, but I I, I heard myself saying heaven, 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 heaven. And and, it made me think that the last time I really spoke about heaven was just a few weeks ago at my sister's funeral. I didn't preach her funeral. There's no way I could have done that. That day I was a brother, the day I was a son. But as I was at that funeral that day, there was a phrase that Michelle used to say to me as we talked on the phone from time to time. My sister was a believer. She gave her life to Christ and she knew where I stood with Christ. So we always had these spiritual conversations and she knew our family. We all knew our family. And she said, she said, Todd, it's up to me and you to make sure nobody in our family misses heaven. She used to say that. Oh man, that's sobering for me to hear that phrase because that's a different way to live. To make sure no one around my life will miss heaven. Man, I wanna keep living like that. Thank you for Michelle for that phrase. I wanna make sure I'm living Easter like that. I wanna make sure I'm living after Easter like that to make sure that nobody I love misses heaven. So maybe that's why God brought you here today so that you wouldn't miss heaven. And so that the believer in the room would wake up to the responsibility to make sure nobody in your life and my life misses heaven. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the day that you have made, and I love how on time your word has been throughout this month of walking Psalm 23 out. God, this was a familiar chapter that I thought I already knew, but God, I had no idea that I was gonna be walking the valley I'm walking, I had no idea that you were going to open up the scripture and to bring new light and new meaning into my life. God, thank you for where my journey has me today because I'm realizing I need you more and more than I've ever needed you in my life. And God, right now, because of your goodness and love, I want to invite somebody here today that's been a follower of yours, but God, they're living a long distance away from your goodness and love. Today, God, you've convicted them because they realized that at one time in their life, they surrendered their life to you to be Savior and Lord, but something has gotten in the way of that commitment. And now, God, today, they're living a spiritual life filled with regret. And God, that's a heavy weight that we're not made to carry. And God, today you loved us enough to give us the truth today so that today we can confess and repent and today we could be made right. And God, today you could lighten the load of the guilt that we've been carrying. God, I pray for my brother, I pray for my sister that needs to confess some sin and to be forgiven today so they can live in the freedom that you have for them. God, who are you speaking to today? I don't know. You do though. But God, today in my spirit, 
I know it's not Easter yet, but God, you brought somebody here today, right now watching online, maybe watching on Facebook right now, that knows they don't have a relationship with you. And God, right now today, because of the proclamation of your truth, I believe you are knocking on the door of their heart right now, and you're saying, can I come into your life? And right now, in faith alone, if they'll take hold of Jesus, today they can be forgiven. Today they could be brought to life in you and be made new. God, who are you speaking to today? Who is that here at Garrisonville? Who is that over at Courthouse? Who is that watching right now online that needs to begin a relationship with you today? We don't have to wait another week for Easter. Easter came early, it's here, you're here. And right now in faith, they can believe. If that's you, would you pray right there where you're seated? Talk to God, so God, you are speaking to me. And God, I'm listening. I realize I need you. I am a sinner and I need a savior. Forgive me of my sin. And now give me the life so that I might live for you. Thank you, God, for saving me. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, I'm asking you to do one more thing. If you're sitting at Garrisonville or Courthouse, I'm gonna count to three. And when I hit three, I want you in bold courage to put your hand in the air and say, Pastor, today I gave my life to Jesus. That's me, that's me. But maybe you're watching online when I count to three, I want you right there online to hit that button and ask for prayer. And right here today, I want you to meet one of our prayer partners, and I want you to tell them today you gave your life to Jesus. Would you do that? Would you do that? Come on. You've already made the courageous step. Now just show who it is. One, two, three. Right now, put your hand high. Today you gave your life to Jesus. Today you're His. Leave it up. Leave it up. Our prayer team's coming to you right now. They want to give you a gift. They want to give you a box. Once they give it to you, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? Both campuses. Online, right now, respond. Father God, thank you for reaching in. Thank you, God, for giving us your goodness and love. Now, God, may we live in your goodness and love as we move one more week towards celebrating Easter. God, I pray for the Christian today that you would bring us to new life in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand and sing both places. Let's stand and sing.